now more than ever, I think more leaders are seeing that this is not a political issue, it is a moral issue. Okay, um, well, we are um, back with Tanisha Robinson today to um, record an additional segment in light of everything that is going on in the world. Um, I thought it would be awesome to do a add to our prior recording, which is getting ready to release, and we'll put this out together. And in that time, T, you talked about your experience, some of the racism um, and challenges that you have experienced in your life. But, um, you know, I don't know if we went as deep as, as we probably could have there. And in light of everything that's going on, I thought it would be good just to make sure we covered um, kind of where you are now, what, you know, else you might want to share. You know, as I said, before we got started, uh, I'm just trying to to learn and be curious and figure out how I can do a better job, how I can, um, you know, be better um, in my work, in my life, with my company, with my friends, and, um, and uh, you know, how I can take some action that's the right action. Um, so I don't pretend to know that. I'm sure I don't know it. Um, and I'm, I'm just, you know, wanting to learn from you and from my friends that, you know, have a much better, uh, closer look at, at the issue. Well, Brett, I, I mean, I, I appreciate you, you know, asking, I guess the right question, which is, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know how to start and, and what, what can I do? You know, I would say these are troubling times, but this is not, this is not a new fight, you know, since, <laughs> Since black people were forcibly brought here over 400 years ago, this, this has been going on in terms of sort of the dehumanization of black bodies um, and turning, you know, I mean, so, you know, black people's first introduction to this country was as chattel um, and property and not even as humans. And I think a lot of the abuses that have been ongoing for 400 years are, are still very much in line with. Um, treating black people as as less than human. I mean, as I <laughs> think of these videos of these white supremacists storming um, state capitals with automatic rifles, there is not a version of the world <laughs> where black people could do that and not and not get and not get shot down, literally. And and so, you know, I think. It's it's been horrifying to see peaceful protests, um, you know, seeing peaceful protesters being beaten up by the police. But you know, the beauty of of living in a democracy is that we have the opportunity and the right to, to protest, which is a powerful thing. And you know, I mean, I think in some ways it's sort of discouraging, as as you you know, like it's like how many lynchings need to happen, how many church bombings or shoot-ups, um, how many Black people have to be murdered by the police before we're done. And I think, um, you know, that is the thing that weighs so heavily on my spirits right now, because, you know, we, we seem to see, a, we're, we're seeing a rise in, in white supremacy and 
you know, and I think, um, I mean, my dad was a police officer and then worked for the FBI and, and was in law enforcement. And, you know, so I have a lot of respect for, for frontline, you know, the frontline workers, but, you know, even, even my dad, when he was in the FBI, he was involved in chasing down a bank robber, like literally, literally in the streets and the perp was a white guy. And so there was, you know, a few other law enforcement agencies involved and, and the, the officer aimed his gun at my dad in his FBI <laughs> jacket, not the perp, you know, and I, I reflect on that. And I mean, there are a lot of, you know, micro and macro aggressions that sort of swirl um, in time, times like these for me, you know, but it is extremely distressing, um, you know, but I also think this isn't, this isn't the first time we've been at this. I think though, um, you know, with, uh, that with President Trump kind of rabble or kind of riling up an insurrection and, and encouraging violence, I think, you know, this is not the type of leadership we need. And so I do think it's, it's powerful and an opportunity for business leaders and um, community leaders to really kind of fill that gap of bringing people together. And, you know, the, the, the real solution here, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> You know, I mean, we, we are still dealing with the mass incarceration of black people, um, which is effectively the new form of slavery. And if you've read um, Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, um, you know, it's a very, very powerful book about how, you know, the justice system is, is structured and rigged. And, you know, I mean, I think for me as, um, as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as a black person, and, and as ultra minority, um, I think you know, the game has been rigged for a long time, you know, in terms of if you look at where capital has been deployed and, you know, I mean, I would say that, um, you know, that's, that it's frustrating because there has, um, you know, there's a, an ongoing lack of diversity in most high growth industries, actually all of them. And, you know, and that's kind of the genesis of the 420 rule for wonder was because there, we need equity in cannabis, and that's not something I invented this week. It's something that, you know, through my experiences in my life, um, black and brown entrepreneurs, the original entrepreneurs in cannabis have been shut out of now this bonanza and effectively gold rush. And so, you know, I think it's, you know, it's, it's distressing um, and it's not new. And, you know, hopefully, but I don't, I don't believe we've seen the last innocent Black person murdered by the police, unfortunately. Um, but I hope that, you know, that, that maybe now, maybe George Floyd is the, you know, is, is maybe the key the keystone in trying to really bring about meaningful change. But I don't have a lot of confidence um, on federal level. But I, you know, I do think I feel encouraged um, about what's happening kind of on a more local local level. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I'm, I'm uh, just, I'm just looking at you and, you know, I actually like go back and forth between speaker view and gallery view. I'm trying to, I want to just really be with you as you're sharing. And I, and, and I don't think, you know, maybe what might not come through in the audio is the emotion, you know, that I see, you know, the sadness and, and maybe the fear, you know, all the emotions that, that, you know, you're carrying right now. And, and it's, uh, you know, it makes me emotional. Cause I, 
because I care about you and I see you as a as a human, you know, and, and, a, and a human that's you know suffering and and sad and you know all those things. And uh, you know, I, I just wonder, like, how do we get to that? How do we get to you know, I'm a human, you're a human, you know, we're all trying to do the best that we can. We all just want to, you know, have freedom and, and joy and love. Like, how do we get from here to there? What, 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 I mean, maybe that's too big of a step, you know, what do we just do? Yeah. Next? I mean, I, yeah, I think, I mean, there's some like kind of basic things, you know, I mean, you know, Brett, and we talk about this a lot that any company can be a lever for impact. And, you know, I guess in in a lot of ways, I see a lot of these CEOs sending out these very lengthy emails in support of of equity and equality and and fighting injustice. And and while that's, I suppose, the right thing to do, um, you know, like in my view, fighting against racism and, and for equality for everyone is, and equity is, not a political issue. It is a moral issue. And so, you know, when businesses are like, oh, well, we don't want to get involved in politics. It's like, okay, this isn't, this isn't politics. This is, there's a, there's a, this is a binary question. There's a right thing here and a wrong thing. And racism and homophobia and xenophobia and climate change deniers, that, that's, that's the wrong, that's the wrong side. And those are not, they've been made into political issues, but in my view, they're not political. And you know, so I've always felt comfortable as a business owner speaking out on that. But I think besides just speaking out, you know, I think for business leaders and any kind of leader, it's like, are you paying your people living wages, you know, or are you perpetuating the cycle of poverty in your own community because you don't pay your people right and you don't give paid time off to hourly workers? You know, I mean, if we have hourly workers in our community who are, who may be sick, who are not going to be able to take off work. And I mean, sick with, with COVID because they don't have paid time off. And so they're willing to risk their health and other people's health because they, they have to get paid um, in order to survive. And, you know, and then so many, so many people who are working full-time don't have health insurance. So I think there's like basic stuff that, that business leaders can do to not perpetuate the cycle of poverty which, which disproportionately affects black people. And then the other, you know, the other big piece is like, what does your team look like? You know, people want to be believers in diversity, but it's like, do you have black people on your team or brown people? I mean, a lot of people kind of play the, well, we've got 40% women, so we're good. And that's not quite, that doesn't quite fix anything. And I think it's like, what does your management team look like? What does your board look like? So there's, you know, all these, all these, you know, leaders <laughs> who are talking and, you know, paying lip service to this, but they have a board full of straight white dudes and that's it. And, you know, that's, I think, so it's really kind of thinking about integration and representation in a meaningful way. Cause I think if people know black people and like really know them, <laughs> not like all the, all the folks that are like, Oprah's my one black friend, <laughs> you know, but I think it is, um, in getting to know, in getting to know and work with black folks that then, then, you know, that really instills this humanity that people I think like to believe about themselves, but then, 
you know, don't, don't actually know any black people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it falls into the category of like, you don't really know what you don't know. I mean, if you're, you know, and, and I, I've been trying to, um, just really surround myself right now, um, with my black friends to understand what it is. I don't know. You know, if, if you don't have any black friends, if you don't have any black leaders in your company, you know, you, you, how, how are you going to learn? Um, and I'm curious, you know, what you've just shared relative to um, how to be a part of the change from a business perspective. You know, how much do you think it does rely on, on the kind of uh, economy, the, the, the business world to um, make the change? I mean, it, do, you, do, you, do you think that it, I'm assuming, you know, it has to happen in multiple areas, business being one of those areas. But, you know, how big of a role does business play, you know, as a, as a, as a black CEO, founder, you know, entrepreneur? Is that where you think you can make the biggest impact or is it, you know, a, a, an and or? It's, a, it's an and. I think business um, and business leaders are one of the huge cornerstones because, you know, a business, a, a businesses are a, a foundational piece of any community and people spend a lot of time in their work life. And so, um, you know, and, and often business leaders have the ability to provoke um, political change. And I think that, you know, business can be a really powerful platform and um, to uh, and, and and voice as well as a lever for impact. Um, and so, you know, and I think if businesses have that approach, it can be really, really meaningful. You know, it's like when um, companies were pulling out of, uh, I think it was North Carolina because they were, you know, like so virulently anti-gay. And, you know, so I do think that businesses have a lot of power politically to to influence and have, have an impact as well as in the daily work lives of the people that work in those businesses. So I do think business is a, is a huge component. I think, you know, and if businesses are more diverse, then people will <laughs> encounter more diverse people because, you know, it has such an impact on, on people's kind of daily lives. I, I think, you know, and then on a personal level, as you know, my, my wife, Michelle, is white and she runs the Community Shelter Board, which does all the strategy and funding for the homeless system and uh, people with a lot of challenges. And, and so, you know, unquestionably, my, my wife, Michelle, is a woke white lady. <laughs> and still, you know, it wasn't until she and I got together and that she literally moved through the world next to me that she was able to see how extensive racism is firsthand, you know, and very, very sometimes small and subtle ways. And, you know, but that it happens a lot. And, and she would just get so angry <laughs> and still does. I mean, she gets so angry and, and she's like, why aren't you angry? And I'm like, look, I've been angry for a long time, but, um, you know, it is not productive. And I channel my anger into productivity and ideally hopefully building businesses that can make a dent in the world. Um, because, you know, it's not helpful for me to be an angry black woman with an Afro. 
Uh, so, you know, but it's, um, you know, I think people just, even, even woke white people don't necessarily see it unless you move through the world with black person. And then, and then it's, even then it's shocking and, and, and disappointing and, and, and infuriating. Yeah. And, and it, and it feels a little overwhelming and I, you know, I feel a little kind of, um, uh, weak, you know, in saying that, cause I, I know that I can't like hang out in that. Um, but I'm just, I'm listening to you talk and, you know, Katie and I have had, um, the privilege of, of having a number of, uh, black kids come through our home through Kip and her work there and a couple that we've fostered over the years. And, and there's a story that I'm just thinking about in particular, where one of the boys just told us about how he got helicopter lights on him, you know, just walking with his buddy to the store, you know, not arrested, but, you know, um, handcuffed and, and questioned. And, you know, he's like, just like a really great kid who was up to nothing and was, you know, put through this traumatic experience. And it's not, it's not just like that one time he's been pulled over before. I mean, it's, 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 it's happened, you know, over and over again, he's, you know, 20 years old now. Um, And, and, you know, I remember hearing those stories and, and, you know, being outraged, um, but also not knowing what to do. You know, I was, I, I listened to Robert Livingston, um, on a on a partnership call the other day, talk about the current of racism. You know that that you have to be swimming with the current. It's not okay just to be standing there treading water. So the you know that's where you know I'm getting a little like okay, uh, I got to get into the water and go swimming with it. Uh, right when that happens, I got to know what to do about it. You know, and I don't know if that's to you know, pick up the phone to, you know, I, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do actionable. Well, I think, I think there's a real, okay, there's a couple really great books I would recommend. One is called White Fragility, which is about, which just really helps kind of get, get context around um, white privilege and so the, a lot of the structures around kind of how white people, as you say, that are treading water are enabling uh, racism. And so, you know, I think that gives really helpful context on kind of that beginning to swim piece. And then the other one uh, is called how to be an Mm anti-racist. So it's just, it's not enough to say, well, racism is bad, but to be an active anti-racist. And I think it's a, it's a great sort of guidebook. um, And, and, you know, really talks about the structures of racism, but, but stuff that you can do um, in your interactions okay, I, and then how I, you move I, through the world. I ordered it, um, yesterday and, um, <laughs> nice. and it's out of stock. It's out of stock, which is a good thing. You I, know? Yes, uh, yes. They'll get it but reprinted, I, but people are buying the book, which is I know, good. And I know you're the, I know you love the, the, um, hard physical books. So yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I know I could just get it online. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Kindle, the Kindle version, not sold out for it. <laughs> I know you're right. Okay, all right, you're right. See, I'm learning already. <laughs> Brett, do you have a Kindle? I have, I have an iPad, which I do read on occasionally. All right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tanisha. <laughs> no, so, so I- but reading, educating, learning—you know, 
it, it still, when I hear you say that, like I'm, I'm doing it, it doesn't feel like enough. Well, I think, I mean, the other thing that you could do is when, you know, if you are ever in a, in a situation where you see something happening is to confront people. Um, you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, like a small example is Michelle and I are, you know, in the days when we would get on an airplane waiting in line. And, you know, we got bumped up to first class or whatever, and we're waiting in line to go. And, you know, some white dude just steps right in front of me as if I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And she was like, hey, you know, what are you doing? Because it, it, it's, it's more helpful for a white person to confront another white person than a black person to do it. Because the challenge for black people getting confrontational is if a black person makes a white person feel unsafe, that then the black person's life is in da- actually in danger. <laughs> and we saw that in Central Park where the white, the white woman was just going to pretend that she felt unsafe. And that, and, and that black man could have been murdered by the police in that instance, which is, I think, why people were so outraged about what happened there. And it's and so disappointing. And, um, you know, but, but that's, the, that's kind of the, the, the balance that, you know, that black folks have to manage when they navigate the world <laughs> is if I, make, if I make white people feel unsafe, I, I am in, I'm in danger. So it's, it's, it's those kind of, you know, everyday examples that I think, you know, really ground this, you know, in reality, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the George Floyd caught on tape three feet away, you know, I'm going to die. I can't breathe. You know, that, that's the big glaring, obvious, we've got to, we got to get together and protest. It's the it's the it's the standing in line and being cut. The kind of like you know the I forget the language that Dr. Livingston uses, but it's 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 like the the racism you don't even realize that you're right. that you're doing right you know, right. That's and like, like for, a you know, massive when I go in the store and can't get help. I mean, you know, I mean, like like pick a thing, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think, and that's, I think something that, that Michelle realized when, as you know, when she was next to me, like <laughs> right by my side, it was just like, holy shit, this is pervasive. So it's, um, you know, and I think it's, it's just kind of paying attention and, and a, maybe a slight shift to, to realize and understand that it is absolutely everywhere and it permeates everything in our lives, including there are structures and institutions, you know, I mean, my um, one of my my mentors, he's a he's a white dude, and his uh, and an entrepreneur, and his wife is black, and she was a lawyer, and they they were this is in their very early days, and and he, and she was supporting him with her law work, and they went to buy a house, and she couldn't get a loan, they weren't wouldn't even talk to her, so he had no income, and they were like, oh come on in, bud, you know, and so in terms of opportunities for and this is, you know, this is a, a while back, but it's not different now. And I think, you know, there are so many systems for opportunity and wealth creation that um, Black people have intentionally been excluded from. Um, so even, uh, you know, as you think about the general generational wealth, the baby boomers passed on. So, you know, when, when, the better, when veterans came home from World War II, um, they had the GI Bill and VA, VA loans to buy homes, except for 
black veterans couldn't buy homes. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure you know about redlining and, and, you know, and that, and we still suffer the consequences in Columbus of redlining as do most cities or any, any city that had it, uh, which was all the big cities, which is if you are born in any of those zip codes that were those redline zip codes, there is an extremely high chance, it's an almost 100% chance that you will die, you will be born in poverty and you will die in poverty. And that is in Columbus, Ohio, about three miles from, from my house and from your house or less than that, you know? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's totally fucked up. It's been, it, but it has been for a long time. I mean, I think I really reflect on this George Floyd moment as um, there was a church bombing in Birmingham in, uh, I want to say, 1968, I think. And, you know, and there had been so, you know, so much nonviolent protest, there'd been so much going on and so much violence and the South was erupting and it was a church bombing. And this wasn't the first church bombing. It wasn't the first house bombing, but this church bombing killed four little girls. And that was the moment where then the country and the world said, the country said, okay, this is now, you know, like that was the, that was the moment. And, you know, my hope is um, that this, that George Floyd is the, is the the instigating moment um, for us in in this particular time in the movement. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you know, you mentioned you don't have a lot of confidence federally, you know, tell me, where are you hopeful? You know, tell me, where do you see the 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 hope um you know for us to go forward you know i think that good people want to do something and i think um that you know people are are taking are wanting to take action are trying to take action are asking a lot of questions and want to help um and i think the question is you know how do we channel this this angst and this fury and this sadness into, you know, productive movement towards real equity. And, you know, but I think um, kind of some of the, you know, that the people are donating money to bailing out protesters. And you know, I mean, I think that, that um, you know, hopefully this, this, this black guy who got murdered by the police, this, the George Floyd, like his murder maybe is the one. And, you know, and I think even, um, you know, people are getting called out for using passive language, right? Like protesters were tear gassed or protesters were beat up or tased. And it's the passive voice instead of like the the white policeman shot protesters with tear gas and shot them with rubber bullets, you know? And I think there's, um, you know, I think that even for people that can like just confront reality and like what, what this is, is helpful. And, you know, I mean, I think um, now more than ever, I think more leaders are seeing that this is not a political issue. It is a moral issue. Even, you know, I would say at least like on a local government level and, you know, and that it's not. And, and so it's, it's encouraging to see, you know, governors on both sides of the aisle, both Republicans and Democratic governors that are, you know, not enabling white supremacists. And, you know, so I'm very sort of encouraged by that, that there are good people and good leaders that are stepping up and, and, you know, can make a dent. 
Well, my uh, my heart is with you. You know, I uh, I cry with you. I see it in your face, and it makes me feel for you. You know, yeah. And, um, anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to say? Um, anything else you know we can do to help you and 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 everybody else that's suffering. I think, um, hmm. I think, I think if everyone just does what, does what they can, you know, with, with the platform they have and within their, you know, realms of, you know, within their community, it, it will make a dent. I, I mean, I hope so. I think, I mean, even in the midst of all this, I still think, that America is the, is the greatest country in the world. And, you know, even, and as a black woman and an entrepreneur and a lesbian, I don't feel that in any other country, I would have the opportunities that I do, um, to, to build and to, you know, to have the upward mobility financially, you know, and so I'm hopeful in sort of the premise of what America is and, and that, um, you know, historically we have risen to the occasion and, and come together and, and, and overcome. And I think we have to overcome this too. We do. We do. Well, Tanisha, thanks for taking the time to do this. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm with you. And, I know you are. And I'm glad we, glad, glad you set this up. I, it's a good call. Yeah. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. And um we'll we'll uh we'll talk more. We'll keep it going. This is <clears throat> just the beginning. You know, I know as you said this is this is not new and it and it and it can't fade. You know, this yeah. is a fight and it's gotta be won. Yeah. And um and we can't stop until that's happened. So um I'm 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 with you all the way. Thanks, Brett. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at the Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak.